Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there'll be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. Do you like your stories told through pictures? Then you can also follow us at Real Nerds on Instagram. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Here we go again, it's our film explosion. The movie countdown of real devotion. It could get long, so bring your ibuprofen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. What's got the best acting? What's got the best direction? The cream of the crop, here's our selection. From comedy to drama, even black exploitation. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion! Film explosion! All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up! This, you're not even recording yet. Yes, I am. Okay, I'm just checking. Because I every time I have like this great opening for a show, everyone says, whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait. And now I've just ruined my incredible opening. Because great. your paranoia has stopped you from... <laughs> God, dude, I feel like the Manchurian Candidate all over again. Oh, if um, I activate you, you'll turn into Denzel Washington? Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> be all, like, cool and handsome and have a cool voice. See, I don't just reference the Golden Age Hollywood stuff. I reference <laughs> the silliest remakes. <laughs> um, no, the red button means it's recording. Oh, so you learn something new every day. The green button means it's the Grinch recording. I don't know. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we see a new movie and podcast our experience of the world. Unless we don't have any movies to see. And that's the case this week when we go back in time. 30 years when I was just a wee lad of 10 years old and me father took me down to the edge of the rainbow and said son make a wish and when the leprechaun grants it to you I don't know what I'm going with there wow um, so yeah we do retro film explosions um, I'm joined by Zach hello and Brad hey uh, just three of us today. Yeah. I guess no one gives a shit about 1992. Well, they yeah, should. There's a lot that? of classic films from this year. Yeah, uh, totally. There is, but also I had a real hard time making this list. Did you? Um, yeah, it's I, I like I haven't seen a ton of the movies from this year. Really? Um, and the ones I have seen, not good enough to make the top ten. <laughs> so it was it's I, my my bottom half is really padded. Mm. So I will okay. not have a lot to say. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Welcome, Brad. You're looking very Starfleety today. Yeah, no time to change. My clothes are in a suitcase, so I had to leave the convention and go straight here from the last Starfest ever. But I still think you look very handsome. Thank so you. So does that count? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. You look like you could command the Enterprise. And Brad and I feel pretty great. We placed third in a Friday the 13th trivia challenge. Should have won it yeah, it's on a technicality. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Well, they have this thing where you answer the question through your phone, and uh, for some reason, my phone phone didn't refresh the question so i pulled down on the question and it selected an answer for me 
and they won't let you change the answer once you hit it. Oh. So I was really pissed because the question was, uh, what family member does Jason attack like in Jason Goes to Hell? And it was his niece, and it was an easy one, and I was pissed. Yeah. We only lost by like 50 points. Yeah. So plenty of opportunities to gain ground. Yeah, I mean, we got that would have done 58 it. out of 61 questions, right? Yeah. But you also got to see a film that rarely gets screened in the Friday the 13th rescreening. Yeah, it was lots of fun. The final chapter. Yeah. yeah. That's a fun one. Let's see that in the theater that often. I, I like that one, too, because it moves really fast. I mean, there's about 45, 50 minutes of setup, and then the last 20 minutes are really great. I think the guy who plays Jason in it's really good. Yeah, when he busts through that door. Oh, yeah. Third act. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a great. Slides on that very, very game. iconic. But also, at the same time, uh, like I... I I think I've thought of it before, but this time, I, like right away, I was just like, "Do those kids not care about their mom anymore? Like, they just go to the hospital and they're um, glad they have each other." If uh, if you dive into your Friday Thirteenth Deluxe Edition from Scream Factory, there is a deleted scene oh. where they find their dead mom in a bathtub. So they just figured that was a little too harsh. No, I think it messed with the pace of the end of the film. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Through the commentary, if I remember right. My assumption with Friday the 13th is that they cut something because they thought it might be too brutal or the the ratings were... Well, no, I mean, this one where he takes the hacksaw to the coroner's throat and then twists his head all the way 360 degrees, it's a pretty brutal one. Mm -hmm. I I like when Jason's mean. Yep. That's why part two is a great one. Um but speaking of movies from yeah ninety two <laughs> yeah anyways we have a top ten list and we will each will reveal it uh, these are not again we I, I say this every time these are not you know the Rotten Tomatoes best scores these are our favorite films or yeah. in Brad's case films he hates and then other films he saw <laughs> and so we do a countdown and we reveal them sometimes uh, we get pissed because someone will pick something too low and. You know, I don't have to bring up nice guys. It's it's gone. It's past. No, it's number seven. It's not past and gone. It's number seven. Flip that table. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, and uh, we usually have uh, little Easter eggs in the Blu-ray to inform us of how the rotation's going, whether sweepers are going to pop up or not. Uh, but not this time because I Brad's Starfest, been busy. And I've been busy, so we're gonna have to keep track if we've done repeats already or not. Um, yeah. Okay, well, I'll do my best. I've only been doing this for 11, 12 years. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, but before we start this, you can see us in a month at uh, Denver Fan Expo. Holy shit, that is like a month away. We'll be there. Yep. We'll be there being square. Yeah. Having fun. and Moderating panels. But since we got invited and our booth's being paid for, we'll probably be doing a lot of moderating panels. Yeah, so we might not be at the booth, but uh, I think we'll still have it set up to record. Well, yeah, we'll, yeah, we still will be. That, that's not we true. We'll time. have, you remember those robots we built last, uh, two years ago when there was no Fan Expo. We yes. built those to replace us should we have to go moderate. Uh, the only reason I say that too is I uh, got an email from Fan Expo. They're almost sold out of the three-day passes, and I mean, I think two days are sold out already. Ooh. So if you want to get on there, get it while it's getting, because... They have actually a lot of cool people coming, whether it's the Hobbit reunion, uh, the comic creators have Jim Lee is going to be there. Uh, I mean, he's the head of DC basically now. Uh, I should get some mind signed. J- Jay and Silent Bob are going to yeah, be Jay there. Yeah, Jay and Silent Bob will be there. Clerks reunion. Mm-hmm. Um, also, George's Genty will be there. He's a fan of the fan. He's a friend of the podcast. So I'm sure Brian Cummings will be there, our friend. Yeah. Uh, who usually, yeah, he's, he's usually there. our neighbor. Yeah, he's usually our neighbor. <laughs> It's a, it's a good time, and we have lots of fun. So make sure you say hi to us, and we'll have our booth set up so you can sit down and record with us as well. I know it was a joke, but 
God, that would be fun to have like little fake robots of us to yeah. sit in the booth while we're not there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like little MST3K shitty robots. Yeah. And just so our listeners know, I will have a prize to give out. I'll have the VHSs of the Star Wars special editions to give out Ooh. just randomly. The special editions? Yeah. Uh, the reason I have those is I won an auction lot at Mile High Comics for $1. So I bought, I just picked it. I said, just give me the whole lot because it's $10. And I got some really weird random comics and. The VHS of the special edition of Star Wars and this empty Batman postcard box. I mean, oh, that's worth a dollar, I guess. I don't know. At Starfest, I was in the uh, the second auction, like the live auction, um, and they had a uh, the complete six movies uh, in like this box set that had like a lock and key on it. It's called like the the Starfleet edition. Huh. Uh, it had the same cover art as the ones out there, but like it had a separate box and. It was twenty bucks. Mm. Like I bid twenty bucks, and then this one lady behind me said twenty five. I was like, I want to say thirty, but I know she's going to keep going up, so I'm mm-hmm. going to say nothing. And then she got it for twenty five. Oh, say twenty six. It was yeah, do yeah, do by fives. Yeah, mm. So twenty six fifty. That's a five. Like if I didn't already own them on VHS, <laughs> I would have been like, yeah, yeah, yeah. forty fifty. But I was like, well, yeah, that's a that's tough. Just because it has a lock on it, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can't. Uh. Yeah, I know. It's. It, I mean, I only wanted one comic in this lot, and it was uh, this retailer incentive Buffy comic that had no trade dress on it, so it was just the cover. So it was really cool, and it was a one in twenty five. So it's a pretty like rare comic. I think it's selling for like thirty bucks. That's all I wanted, but for a dollar each and for ten bucks, whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. So I got some goosebumps. Um, <laughs> uh, issue eight of Star Wars Adventures. I don't know. So if anybody's like man i really want that, that star wars where, adventures 8 you, you come to me is that the one where chewbacca goes to the mall i can't remember that one yeah let's start this ca- <laughs> countdown <laughs> uh i don't have a screen in front of me so i don't know how you're starting oh, it you're Brad. again i may need to yeah yeah sorry me there we go but all is forgiven because i saw the background when i came in and it's the greatest movie of all time and I start, so it's also the greatest person ever of all time. Of course. I don't, I should, I haven't looked at my list in a while. I sent oh, this to you a long time ago. The worst person is last two. That makes so much <laughs> sense. All right. I, right. I love that uh, poster for Army of Darkness, too, because it's so over the top. It's looks like it's a different model. And then guys like, oh, man, I got to put Bruce Campbell's head on this. I like it more like than f- the artwork for the Scream Factory, the one that oh, they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's fine, but this is better. It's like a Frank Frazetta. Um, it sure does adjacent looking thing yeah Yeah. i mean it's uh i mean bruce campbell is a handsome man but he's not that ripped he's not that ripped even when he was young yeah as far as i know possibly so uh my number 10 is a family favorite it's not that great of a movie but my brothers and i love watching this movie when we were younger isn't this great open ocean uncharted islands who knows what's waiting for us out there? The mighty Caribbean, home of romance, adventure, and living legends like Captain Ron. Let's hear the Harvey Boat. A man of courage and dedication, to whom the sea is more than a job, more than a calling. It's home. Are you kidding? Now, he's about to cast his very special spell on the Harveys. This sucks. I have worked very, very hard to plan a spontaneous adventure and Captain Goofy, hey boss, Captain Cyclops, Captain's contagious over there, is screwing it up. You know there's gorillas in these woods. No gorillas, not here, no way. 
He said gorilla, not gorilla. Huge difference. Whoa, Dad's losing it. Captain Ron, Captain Ron. May I have the camera, please? Captain Ron doesn't mean a Ooh. thing to me. I am not jealous. <laughs> Captain Ron is teaching them the laws of the sea. Hey, get your hands off that. You want a beer, you get your own beer. Taking them to places they never dreamed of. Barton, we're in Cuba? Back to the raft! Back to the raft! And he's turning these four sailors into one big happy family. I've never seen such sailors, not in all my born days, I ain't. Every one of you is natural. The Pirates of the Caribbean! What pirates? Kurt Russell. Pirates of the Caribbean. Martin Short. Been to Disney World one too many times, have we, Captain Ron? Captain Ron. Uh, my number 10 is Captain Ron. Uh, Kurt Russell is this wild and crazy captain that takes this family on a cruise-ish thing. And Martin Short is the uptight dad who just wants to have fun, uh, have a good trip. But that silly Captain Ron, man, played by Kurt Russell. Uh, it's just a really silly movie. Mm-hmm. My brothers and I used to watch it all the time. Uh Yeah. It's all that's that really just a nostalgic pick for me. It's not as bad as people give it. No, it's, I don't think it's a for. bad movie. No, it's, yeah, it's just it's it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's not. It's Kurt, Kurt Russell's in it, so the expectation is so high. It is. I mean, he's he also has an eye patch, so you right away sneak think Snake Plissken, but um, but no, I mean Kurt Russell's great in it. It's just really silly. It's it's like a family comedy, mm-hmm. and it's one my brothers and I would rent all the time. Just a family favorite, and. It's good, wholesome fun. There's really nothing crazy in it. Just a silly movie. Apart from them fighting like actual like guerrilla fighters. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, just silly. But watch it for Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. Stay for Martin Short. I don't know. Yeah, always stay for Martin Short. Yeah. Um, Brad, you're number 10. Uh, I don't know. This has Jackie Chan in it. These twin brothers have been separated since birth. <laughs> and grew up worlds apart. One's a world-famous maestro, the other a martial arts master. And they've never met. I'm so sorry. Until now. (laughs) Now, to save themselves from the mob, this unlikely pair will have to switch gears, swap places, and kick twice the butt. Chan and Jackie Chan. Here we go again. Twin Dragons. So yeah, my number 10 is Twin Dragons. Uh, Jackie Chan movie, very much in the spirit of like uh, Double Impact, <laughs> where Jean-Claude Van Damme is you know, playing two parts. So brothers. I haven't seen this. Does it have this like 
hallucinating scene where he's <laughs> badging his twin brother, fucking his girlfriend, but it's really there's satin sheets going everywhere and uh maybe i don't know i haven't seen this since the 90s uh <laughs> and I, I saw it one time in the 90s uh but as you can see from the trailer especially you at home uh <laughs> the action is amazing oh yeah that um, uh, they couldn't see it but there's a stunt where he's running on a car which is really impressive yeah so uh yeah just that alone i was like that's good enough for the 10th spot and like i said there's a storyline of uh he has a long lost brother to know about and they come together and very much like that with double impact. Nice. Um, so um, hopefully whenever I can get my hands on it, I'll watch it again. Sweet. Nice. Zach. All right. 10. My number 10 is me uh, uh, bending into the stereotype that I've made for myself. He came to America with nothing but a dream. You can't be chaplain. <laughs> you might be chaplain after all. told him to get changed, remember? What's he putting on, a suit of armor? Onto the stage, right now! Chaplin! What do I do? Cut it. No, wait, wait, hold it. Now, keep it going. Big reaction, hold Overnight, he had Hollywood in his hands. Damn you, Chaplin, what are you trying to do to me? <laughs> and the world at his feet. The whole world knows about you, Charlie. Let me direct the next one. But behind the screen... Charlie! were the women who wanted him. Is this what you want? Did you lose your other wives this way? The scandal that surrounded him. Don't believe everything you read in the papers. Why not? And the passions. Still waiting for that other shot, Sid. That inspired him. Your message reaches everyone, everywhere. And there's no control over them. Be careful. Camera! From Academy Award-winning director Richard Attenborough, Robert Downey Jr. He is talking about America. You are a truly strange fellow, Charles. <laughs> Everyone has a wild side, even a legend. What do we do, Charlie? Smile. Uh, yeah, my number 10 is Chaplin. My number 9 is Chaplin, so we kind of have a tag team on this nice. one. There we go. Yeah, we're not too far off. Um No. It's it's um <clears throat> it's 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 not like it's it's kind of suffers in some ways from being a little bit long and a little bit more like it's trying to cram everything in there, but it's carried along by such wonderful performances that I can go back to this a lot and smile with it. I uh, I mean Robert Downey Jr. as Charlie Chaplin is outstanding yeah and incredible uh i think i think the biggest thing with this film i can get past it being long is i think it's a little too heavy-handed and a little too cheesy at parts oh yeah so they try to undercut that though with the, there's a very infamous scene of him like in the trailer especially of the hat and the the, the bamboo cane and everything coming to him magically and then they go like no that's not how it happened then they literally show him struggling to find his costume yeah. um and uh, it's directed by a guy who spares no expense at dinosaur parks, so that's it's got that going for it. Um, but it's still got this wonderful majesty about it, and it does celebrate a Hollywood legend with a good hand. Like it's a good, kind hand. Um, it's 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 well produced. You can't fault it for anything in that nature. Um, 
it's my my only thing about like not going back to it super often is that it's just it, it's a little long and i like long movies but i know you like the irishman i know but sometimes i have my limits <laughs> um but yeah no if you were looking for a fun celebration of chaplin this this film will be for you yeah no i and like i said um Robert Downey Jr. is awesome in it. His timing's perfect. And uh, he's been nominated for two Oscars, and this was his first one. And then the second one's been Tropic, Tropic Thunder. Thunder. Yeah, it's a huge time in between. Yeah, I think 16 years. Yeah, roughly. Um, well, he also had a tough time about four or five years later, and yeah. he turned his life and career around. So, mm-hmm. But if you want to see... Babyface uh, yeah, Chaplin, man. or Babyface uh, Downey. Downey Jr. just own a fucking movie. Definitely see, watch Chaplin. He mm-hmm. he owns it. Like I said, it's a little cheesy, a little long, but I can get past it. Mm-hmm. Brad, you're number nine. I was just noticing uh, the uh, unfortunate placement of that button, chainsaw button. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, for those of you at home, the uh, chainsaw looks like uh, Bruce Campbell's dick. Massive on the dick. Um, it's probably accurate. But the name Brad's next to it, so it's indicating that Brad's penis is a chainsaw. Um, it is also a chainsaw. Nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my uh, number nine. Yeah, I don't know. Is this? <laughs> they were three brothers learning the ways of a ninja, but what started as a game suddenly turned real. Those kids. You should run. You should hide. You should kick their butt. Now, three heroic kids are taking on one ruthless criminal. And they're determined to have the last laugh. Enjoy the ride. Three Ninjas, rated PG, parental guidance suggested. Struck by John Turtle John Turtletop. Holy, Holy shit. shit. <laughs> He's been here forever, apparently. He's a national treasure. Hey. You did that. You just did that. Oh, get out of this fucking house. No, stay. Stay. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my number nine is Three Ninjas, which is great when you watch it in 1992 as a kid. <laughs> uh, not so much when you're, you know, over 30. Um, I revisited it. It's 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 Ninja Home Alone. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it's one of those movies when you're a kid you love because you want to be a ninja. I mean, this is two years after Ninja Turtles hit. I was going to say, it's definitely some executive was just like, Ninja Turtles is popular and Home Alone is popular. Let's combine the two <laughs> and make bank. I and, like where uh, your head's at. Yeah, and that, I wouldn't say this uh, lit the world on fire, but they did make four movies of they it. They did. So. The most um, famous being with Hulk Hogan. Yep. I need to make a Shot at Eelches. Yeah. Hey-o. Yeah, Denver represent. Nice. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, these three kids, uh, Rocky, Tum Tum, and those, oh. those aren't names. I mean, those I'm are. I'm impressed you remember are, two of them. Those are ninja <laughs> names, yeah. God, I wish I had all three, but um, yeah, they. Uh, I think their parents go away for the weekend. They have to stay with their grandpa or something, or yeah. his grandpa's. I, like I haven't seen this movie in 20 years. I've never seen this movie. Is no? it worth even checking out at this point in my life? Um, my 20 year gap in between seeing it, sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, tr- um, I trust you and your faulty memory. <laughs> good <laughs> um yeah like and some like executive rich guy hires these idiot like heist guys bebop to, and rocksteady to steal from their yeah <laughs> to steal from their uh i don't know the, the kid's dad is has uh, some important artifact or something or um their grandpa does i i don't remember but yeah three ninjas that's my number nine cool 
Zack Attack, number nine. All right, my number nine is a film that I literally had not seen until last year, and I've rewatched it no less than six times. Um, and it's a movie that I wish had been more successful and spawned more sequels. Attorney at law, don't try to get up. We're both fine. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Aren't those numbers clicking by awfully fast? You're probably a speed reader. Well, you got me there. <laughs> See some experiment that went wrong? Why don't we step outside and settle this like men? We are outside. Now why don't we step inside and settle this like women? I'm twice the man you are. So is she. And it's driving me mad. Do not take teen, officer, I swear. They spank me. We can start there. I could make love to you right here and now. Roland, please. Let's keep this on a professional level. Very well, then I'll charge you 50 bucks a pop. Huh? This is ludicrous. Society's the blame. There's too much violence in the movie. It's my environment. We were carrying out orders. It's the Japanese that buying up everything. The operation is a success. Um, <clears throat> Brain Donors is a movie that was supposed to be not only made as, but marketed as a modern-day Marx Brothers outing. Um, that was what the Zuckers designed it to be. Um, that's what Pat Prof wrote. And the film ended up being butchered to about a 70-minute runtime, where I want to say a good five minutes of those are the opening and closing credits. <laughs> um, but the 65 minutes that remains, which actually runs around the speed of an actual Marx Brothers movie at times, uh, is a really wonderfully madcap comedy ride uh it follows the logic and the mind of the marx brothers it's like a combination of duck soup and a night at the opera uh you have john Turturro playing your um uh your uh, groucho stand-in um and you have mel smith playing the more chico element but they make him british um and they have a harpo uh actor in there who's kind of like he's not completely silent he does talk but he's mostly kind of doing visual gags um and uh it just it moves at a inefficient speed and captures that spirit of the marx brothers in a way that if you're going to literally translate those characters and that those comp that comedy team this was the closest you'll ever get to it uh there's a wonderful line that i, I wish had been in the trailer because it might have sold the humor better where uh john Turturro's character is giving a speech um and he's going to the the wealthy dowager like the margaret dumont stand in and just going like one day you and i'll be sitting outside outside in the brisk air underneath that jamaican moon why that jamaican will be mooning us i have no idea mm. <laughs> so lines like that that like really sold what they were doing in the writing and the dialogue and crafting something really lovely um <clears throat> but alas that's not what we got um, there was plans to actually make more of these, but the Paramount, uh, the, the Paramount uh, uh, executives that greenlit the movie were out by the time the film was released. So a new team came in and said, "Just chop this up and shove it out to theaters." And they they were literally selling it as uh, uh, 
in the spirit of the Three Stooges, Abbott and Costello, and the Ronald Reagan administration, three things which literally have nothing to do with what they were trying to make. So it's an example of bad marketing and bad studio leadership, but it's also an example of how you can accurately transplant a comedy team from the 30s and 40s into the 90s. And if the, anybody was going to do it, it would be the Zucker brothers. So, um, And this actually came out just before Barton Fink or just after Barton Fink hit with John Turturro. So if, Bar- if Barton Fink had like crashed critically and even box office-wise, this might have been, and this somehow succeeded, John Turturro might be more comedy driven only and not doing like sporadic dramas with other people you know it's an interesting career path he might have had so so yeah my number nine brain donors if you want to check it out it's on prime and i believe warner archive has the dvd rights to it so you can get it there so it's a lot a lot of fun cool uh i'm gonna turn up the action for my number eight Won't be like anything you've ever done before, little brother. Target leaving the palace now. Listen! From the producer of The Hunt for Red October. Get down! Based on the best-selling novel, comes the summer's most explosive motion picture. Hoodie. So, you just waited on in like John Wayne. I couldn't just stand there and watch him shoot those people. It was rage. Pure rage. A reluctant soldier. They were moving him to Albany Prison on the Isle of Wight when it happened. They are unarmed. We know he's escaped. We think he's left the country. In a war that isn't his. What Ryan done can't be undone, so you should stop thinking about it. I can't. There's never been a terrorist attack on American soil, Jack. These men are professionals. Personal revenge rarely plays into it. But I killed his brother. A man fighting for everything he holds dear. Where's Sally? Let's, uh, let's sit down for a moment. No, talk to me. For justice. I'm after the man who tried to kill my family. I want back in. looking for here ira terrorists or some ultra violent faction of the ira this is who we should be looking for we find her we'll find them for freedom where are you taking me it's you who've taken us jack into battle eta 35 seconds sas could take on any one of these camps are you sure this is the same girl for family he's never gonna let us go is he i don't care what you have to do you just get it Where's Sean Miller? Get me hostage rescue at Quantico now. Airborne support approaching target area. Patriot Games. My number eight is CIA analyst Jack Ryan or Patriot Games starring Harrison Ford. Uh, these are definitely trapped in the nineties as far as action movies go. Uh, but it's fun and I'm always a sucker for Harrison Ford. And if he does action, I'll probably watch the movie and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. Um, in it, he plays Jack Ryan and his family and people are targeted by the IRA and there's an assassination and he gets tangled up in it and he fights guys and he shoots a gun. 
They play games. And they play games that have to do with Patriots. <laughs> Gets talked down to by Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've watched these recently, and they are kind of cheesy now. Um, but I still really like them. Um, yeah. He, yeah, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't also say about it. He's they're fun. That's yeah. I, was, I always get this mixed up with clear and pre, clear and present danger. Like, yeah. which one have I seen? Have I seen both? Yeah, yeah. Like, the, I don't think they're anything special, but they're fun movies, and obviously they're super popular. I think this is one of the highest grossing movies of the year, and I mean, it, well shot. And you can't yeah. go you can't go wrong with it. It's like so, there are '90s action thrillers of mm-hmm. this sort that are just fun to watch. I mean, I I like uh, Air Force One more. Oh yeah, um, but. I mean, it's still fun. Um, I miss Harrison Ford as the action leading man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously, there's a reason why now. I mean, he's eighty, but yeah. So I don't know. Call of the Wild really brought back some memories. I, know, I think Call of the Wild is actually pretty <laughs> a lot better than because people get. Oh no, for. it was great. It but was... does he like jump and tackle a dude and yeah. like take his gun? No, yeah. no. He learns to be less lonely with the help of that fucking dog. <laughs> does he give out punches? Yeah. Does he? Yeah. It's dispense, a wilderness. <laughs> does he dispense patriot justice? No. I he... think like Tom Cruise is like really good at running. I think uh, Harrison Ford's really good at just punching. Yeah. Henchman. Yeah. I think yeah. that's a, that's a good analogy. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, okay. number eight. All right. Patriot Games. Oh, shoot. It's back to me already. That? Yep. I know. We haven't had a only third per, three-person film explosion in probably seven, eight years. Speaking of Tom Cruise, we're really cruising along. Cut his mic. <laughs> Cut your own mic. Oh, don't out. worry. I will. <laughs> Show yourself out. <laughs> uh, yeah, my number eight uh, has Jean-Claude Van Damme in it, so that should be on the list, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> it was a top-secret government project. Pac-Man Ice. All of them. Designed to create the perfect soldier. No man would ever again have to die in the service of his country. Cryogenically preserved. Okay, guys. Memory clearance. Genetically enhanced. How's the picture? Pretty ugly. Very funny, very funny. Programmed to obey. We're at the tower. Okay, okay, here we go. Who are these guys? 30 hostages held inside the power station at the base of the structure. I said shut up! Go inside. Begin phase two. This marks the third successful mission for the Universal Soldier. But there was something they didn't count on. He's not responding. GR-44, do you read me? At the end of the mission, he became completely unresponsive. Inside the machine is a man. Do you really think the Pentagon would allow the regeneration of dead soldiers? Stop the girl. Shoot if you have to. And all it takes... Veronica Roberts, TNA. ...is one memory. Oh, he didn't do anything! ...to awaken him. Let's go! Hit it! Universal Soldier. What the hell did they do to you? Don't know. But I'm going to find out. One can't be controlled. Buckle up. The other cannot be stopped. This mission has been canceled. I'm giving the orders from now on. I'm gonna teach them all. ultimate weapons of the future have declared war on each other. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Universal Soldier. Stop, that is an order. 
Uh, yeah, so my number eight is uh, Universal Soldier, where apparently someone watched RoboCop and thought, hey, <laughs> let's uh, make it the uh, the military instead of uh, the Detroit police. Uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is a soldier in a program. Uh, he's a soldier who gets killed. Uh, actually, all uni- all the Universal or soldiers that died in combat, and then uh, the military has found a way to reanimate them and become so they can be completely subservient uh uh, empty empty shells for the government's purposes. Yeah, that they, they, they won't question any orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, you know, as, like I said, with RoboCop, uh, he starts to have flashbacks to his old life buried in his brain, and that causes him to deviate from the program. Um, and so they send Dolph Lundgren and the, Dolph Lundgren leading the rest of the Universal Soldiers to track down Van Damme and bring him back into the fold. And uh, obviously that doesn't go well because uh, Van Damme just... Goes ro- more and more rogue, and uh, yeah, mm. they've made a ton of sequels <laughs> of is this it, since. Is it as funny as RoboCop? No. Okay. The the social satire is not quite as deep. I oh, guess okay. um, it's really. I think it's really, like really boring in long stretches, uh, but you know the action's great. Yeah, I think the last fight's awesome too. Yeah, the dialogue's not great. No, it's not. Even that trailer. What was it like? Are we having fun yet? Yeah. Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a. 90s action flick it's it's got all the stuff you'd expect there so yeah nice yeah number eight sweet all right um my number eight a might be a sweep i'm not i'm not sure i guess we'll find out but um uh yeah i enjoyed this a lot when i was in high school getting into batman and burton From the sewers of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. save this city is a creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she craves a romance she can sink her claws into. You're catnip to a girl. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Gotham!
above Gotham looms its greatest hero. You know, um, mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it, but a kiss can be deadlier if you mean it. You know what's even deadlier is putting that as number nine on your film explosion list. <laughs> uh, number eight. Number eight. <laughs> eight. Number eight. Yeah. Yeah. Number I, eight. Number eight. <laughs> like everybody serves a purpose in our podcast, and I think. Zach is the one where he says, you know what? I'm going to be the troll of the podcast. And, <laughs> no, no. And I'm going to make sure I put these movies super low. No, no. I think the one of the reasons it's this low is because we've been inundated with a plethora of better Batman movies by comparison. Um, but it's not that much lower than, than it is on my list. <laughs> I enjoy I still enjoy the Burton Batman outings. I enjoy the Schumacher outings, too. I mean, they're not they're not the worst things in this world. They are. I you can find a usefulness for each of them. You can. Um, yeah, you can. You can. <laughs> um, but um, Batman Returns in particular, like it was, I was really into Tim Burton and beginning to love Batman in high school. And so this was kind of like a, this, a perfect combination of Burton sensibilities with the Batman flair to it. I mean, it's more of a Burton movie than it is a Batman movie. Um, but it does have... You know, some fun things that we've seen carry into literally just a few months ago with The Batman, where you have Catwoman and Penguin in the same movie again. Um, this And it's it's got a very nice, dark sense of humor to it. This movie is extremely dark. Like, the whole plot of by the third act is to kill all of Gotham's, new like, firstborns. <laughs> like, it's it's extremely dark with these penguins with rockets on their backs. Like they, Animal they, cruelty. Yeah. Uh, infanticide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Danny DeVito kills it in this movie. He is great as the Penguin. I, I love him as the Penguin. Um, I know that Farrell does a more accurate job, I guess, in sorts to the gangster element of of Cobblepot, but I really like what he's doing with this this character here. Um, and uh, and it, it, you know, I like watching Tim Burton just flare it up and be his own little visual artist that he likes to be. And this is a perfect example of that. It has a lot of his aesthetic attached to it. That's not strictly Batman related. So, um, and Keaton's good, you know, he's, he's, he's been good in this role. I'm excited to see him do it again in the flash. So, um, so yeah, if they don't just cancel that movie outright. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 we don't need to talk about that in full, but I am surprised that thing hasn't just been shelved immediately. Oh, well, it cost $200 million. That is There's true. No um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah. If people are looking for a Batman movie, that's not, not like they're not looking to take the lore super seriously and just want to enjoy a Batman movie. Batman returns is a more than fun enough time. And Michelle Pfeiffer is remarkable in the film. It's it's really a Catwoman movie, like through and through. Like it, you can tell that Burton cares most about telling Catwoman's story and Penguin's story, as opposed to Batman's story. But the way he films Selena Kyle's little journey is a lot of fun. So, um, yeah, I would definitely still check it out. It may not hit the heights of Batman movies we've experienced recently, but it's still really fun. Uh, my number seven film also has Michael Keaton in it. Marco Rosso, Miyazaki's soaring action adventure of a valiant pilot. Porco Rosso! Here we go. It is Porco. Transformed by a mysterious spell. I only look out for myself. And his heroic battles to rid the skies of notorious pirates. Slice them into bacon! Full of courage and humor. I'll tell everyone you're a chicken! Chicken, pig, what's the difference? <laughs> Take flight with the incredible... Porco Rosso. Uh, my number seven is Porco Rosso, or 
that's Italian for red pig. Um, the it's it's a Miyazaki film that's really well animated. Yes, I was I was the, <laughs> I had, it was a joke in my head when Kevin's like, get me some spaghetti. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, the dub version, Michael Keaton is the voice of Porco, and yeah, it's he's a World War One flying ace who's cursed and he turns into a pig, and he after World War One he becomes a bounty hunter. Uh, chasing down air pirates. It's beautifully animated. It's kind of silly. I never saw it before, but when the Blu-ray came out and it was a pig flying ace, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch this film. And it is. It's fun. It's definitely not up there with his best stuff, but it's one of my favorite of his because it's so quirky. Mm -hmm. And um, I find it interesting that like there, uh, there are very few people I've encountered who don't like at least one of Miyazaki's films. Oh no! Like I mean, just one. It, it, it is, I mean, the the best part of them is they're so wonderfully animated, mm-hmm. and you really miss the two D animation and the level of detail and the level of art that's put into Miyazaki films is in, incredible. Absolutely incredible. I breathed in too much at that point. That was really weird. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a fun movie, and that's why it's number seven. And obviously, no one else has seen it because no one else is talking about it. <laughs> so, Brad, number seven. Uh, yeah, my number seven is a happy memory from 1992. Ah, humbug. He was the greediest man alive. It's Ebenezer Scrooge. Until the night he met someone extraordinary. Hello. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Mr. Scrooge, even though he is odious, stingy, and badly dressed. Humbug. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug. There goes Mr. Grin. Do you think it's safe for us to be up here? If they gave a prize for being me, the winner would be him. Yes, Mr. Cratchit. If you please, Mr. Scrooge, the bookkeeping staff would like to have an extra shovel full of coal for the fire. How would the bookkeepers like to be suddenly unemployed? It's Charles Dickens' classic tale, as only the Muppets can tell it. It's good to be heckling again. It's good to be doing anything again. Filled with holiday warmth. Hey, 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 like the lamp, not the rat, like the lamp, not the rat. And Christmas spirit. Jacob Molly. Scary stuff. Should we be worried about the kids in the audience? No, it's all right. This is culture. This is the movie to see, to share, to cherish with someone you love. Thank you for making me a part of this. Walt Disney Pictures presents, from Jim Henson Productions, The Muppet Christmas Carol. God bless us, everyone. Whatever. Yeah, my number seven is The Muppet Christmas Carol, which is The Christmas Carol with Muppets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, My wife adores that movie. Yeah. I think it's okay. Um, (laughs) You're wrong. (laughs) There's moments in it that I love. Uh, In the trailer, it has, hey, light the lamp, not the rat. (laughs) And my my draw to it was Rizzo the Rat, too. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Gonzo and Rizzo were my draws. Was that Rizzo's debut? Yep. Yeah. 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 Well, no, he... 
he had technically appeared but not named in previous Muppet Adventures. Um, but this was his like we're we're making him a character. This is it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, this didn't make my list, but I fucking love this movie. Michael Caine plays this like it's fucking Shakespeare. Yeah. <laughs> like it's 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 kind of incredible like how wonderful i'm glad that the film has gained the cult status it deserves like it's it's truly one of those uh he technically first appeared on the muppet show in 1980 <laughs> wasn't he in but his first starring role was the muppet christmas carol yeah, yeah. yeah but he the him the rats that were like just the bellhops were in the happiness hotel in the great muppet caper and i'm sure there was a rat in muppet take manhattan that was a character but he may not. But he wasn't named Rizzo. So, yeah, yeah. Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol, my number seven. Sweet, fun stuff. It's a. F- I still um partial to the Mickey Christmas Carol because I think the the Timmy um story is conveyed so well with Mickey mm-hmm. um that no one's else been able to touch it. Yeah. But you know that's just me. This comes just about as close as you're gonna get with another children's mm-hmm. adaptation. Yep. Yeah. Right. Cool. My number seven. My number seven. Um, hey Ryan, would you like to be my victim? What? <laughs> no. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> well, then just enjoy this trailer. Have you ever heard of Candyman? And if you look in the mirror and you say his name five times, in cities everywhere, Candyman. They whisper his name. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. An entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Where did I? It ain't safe around here. That don't scare too easy. Wanna know about Ruthie Jean? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? She is about to discover. Helen? Get out! Get out! What's behind the mystery? I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all, come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. to believe just beware yeah so my number seven is Candyman. Nice. um bernard rose uh taking some taking some clive barker and turning it into a uh very apt allegory for racism in america and um gentrification um for those who don't know Candyman's a legend of was killed and burned and the spirit lives inside of this ghetto in Chicago. Um, and, uh, 
uh, Virginia Madsen's character is a is is looking into the mystery of it, and her life goes to hell because of it. <laughs> um, I uh, I really appreciate that this kind of film with this kind of like astute message came out, and it kind of floated under mainstream radar for that message, but but still had a, a presence because of how brutal and well told the tale is. Like this movie is violent as shit. Um, the uncut version that um, Screen Factory put out looking at some of like the extra like little bits of footage that like this movie could, could have been even more brutal. Um, and so like, yeah, it's, it's a film that I recommend if you're a horror fan and you haven't watched this yet, it's, it's about time you sit down with this one. The Tony Todd is, is incredible in this role. Um, so much so that they literally could not keep him away from the remake, even if they tried <laughs> like, or the reboot that they did re- not too long ago. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and get the Scream Factory version because it is packed and it is beautiful. And I'm normally not a fan of Philip Glass providing horror scores. Um, I'm talking to you, Dracula 1931. <laughs> um, but uh, Philip's Gla- Philip Glass's score for this movie is fucking haunting and it just absolutely chills my fucking bones. So yeah, check out Candyman. It's fucking perfect. My number six is about a bunch of peaches. I'd like to lead you all in a little prayer. Dear Lord, may our feet be swift. May our bats be mighty. May our balls be plentiful. And Lord, I'd like to thank you for that waitress in South Bend. You know who she is. She kept calling your name. This summer, Tom Hanks is managing the impossible. The Rockford Peaches. Girls! Peaches! Who says girls can't play baseball? Who says women can't throw? Slide! Slide! Thank you! Give them a league of their own to play. Then stand back and get out of their way. That sounded good. So let's... Still missing the cutoff man. Now that, that, that's something that I would like you to work on before next season. Columbia Pictures would like to take you out to the ball game for an all-star comedy. They'll pay you $75 a week. We only make 30 at the dairy. Well, then, this would be more, wouldn't it? The manager, Tom Hanks. Are you crying? (laughs) There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. The catcher, Gina Davis. What do you say we slip in the back seat and you make a man out of me? What do you say I smack you around for a while? Can't we do both? The pitcher, Lori Petty. I made it. I'm a Pete. A Rockford Pete. The scout. John Lovitz. Are you coming? See how it works is. The train moves, not the station. And batting cleanup, Madonna. What if my uniform bursts open and, oops, my bosoms come flying out? You think there are men in this country who ain't seen your bosoms? A league of their own. All right. God knows we have a game. It's not like any of this helps, believe me. Directed by Penny Marshall. Holy shit! 
League of Their Also Own. check out. <laughs> yeah, you know what happens. You watch a League of Their Own and then Commando right afterward. <laughs> uh, number six is, for me, is A League of Their Own, which I absolutely adore. Tom Hanks is incredible in it. Gina Davis is super charming and uh it's a story about an all-women's baseball league uh, that happened during world war ii because a lot of the men were overseas fighting Mm -hmm. and tom hanks is kind of an alcoholic washed out kind of (laughs) i said kind of (laughs) he learns his lesson towards the end yes Um, and he takes the rockford peaches and manages them and it's the follies of baseball like women can't play sports guys and no it's a really charming movie Directed wonderfully by Penny Marshall, and it's just a movie that's fun. The, the ending makes me cry. Yeah, and, and, oh, yeah. Tom God. Hanks is incredible in this movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Everybody's on their fucking. Oh yeah, game. I mean oh, everybody's God. pretty much locked in, and yeah, I, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, you put Tom Hanks in a film, I'll probably watch it. Yeah. And then sometimes you get stuff like The Circle, and you're really sad that you saw it. You know, but. This isn't one of them. This is a great film. It, here's here's a good equation. Tom Hanks and Penny Marshall together. You're not gonna get you're not gonna get a bad result out of it. No, no, no. Big at anybody? Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Shay, Shay. Tom Hanks is at the top of his game. Shay. I don't know why I just did that. Maybe because you were thinking of John Lovitz's performance and trying to improve it. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> no, he's funny. In he, it. he is good. All yep. Right. Number six, Brad. You're number six. Uh, my number six is. A movie where the very famous Robin Williams gives an amazing performance as a bat. Three years ago, Disney's Little Mermaid thrilled audiences around the world. Last year, Beauty and the Beast became the first animated movie to receive an Oscar nomination for Best Picture of the Year. Now, Disney takes you on an adventure beyond your imagination. Ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck. Walt Disney Pictures presents Aladdin. The movie Time Magazine calls a ravishing thrill ride. An animated Raiders of the Lost Ark. You have to see it twice. Rolling Stone says Robin Williams is a hip comic wonder. He might just wish himself up a cartoon Oscar. Then what better way to make your grand entrance on the streets of Agrabah than riding your very own brand new camel? Watch out, they spit. The Disney Wizards have outdone themselves again, creating another classic fairy tale filled with fantasy, suspense, and exquisite beauty. A whole new world. Don't you dare close your eyes. And Siskel and Ebert rave, this is an amazing piece of entertainment. Two thumbs up. It would have taken a miracle to surpass the achievement of Beauty and the Beast. The miracle's name is Aladdin, the best film of the year. Group hug. Oh, mind if I kiss the monkey? Oh, hairball. Walt Disney Pictures, Aladdin. The movie USA Today gives four stars. I never had a friend like me. Made you look. You see what I did there? Because you also voiced the bat in Fern Gully this year. Yeah. And you thought it was going to be Fern Gully. I know. I was like, it has to be Fern Gully. Yeah. Of but, course. Of course it's Fern Gully. Of course it is. <laughs> but no, it was Aladdin because um, it is an amazing uh, animated achievement. Six, yeah, it wasn't big for me uh, this year. Um, but um, yeah, it was watching. I haven't seen it in a while. Watching that trailer just reminded me of like, it's so like the jokes are so 
pop culture referential and we kind of rag on dreamworks for doing that with their 3d animated movies these days and here is disney doing it you know 92 well uh if you've watched behind the scenes uh that's actually robin williams and the disney animators changed the script and reanimated it based on his performance and Mm -hmm. his improvisation yeah um the because uh, actually there's a great documentary right now on Disney plus called sketchbook and they have a animator and they each pick a character to draw and they talk about it. And the genie is one of them. And the guy who's drawing it animated the genie for the film. And he talks about that. Robin Williams would say, you know, the line would be, uh, you lied or when Aladdin lies and in the movie he goes, Oh, I feel sheepish. And he goes, whoop. And that's the noise Robin Williams made. Then they realize that's how he meant lying, and he meant Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a really fascinating. You should watch it. It's a great little documentary. Disney sketchbook. Yeah, it's only uh-huh. six episodes, twenty minutes each. Nice. Yeah, but no, you're right. It's there's a lot of pop culture things that doesn't make any sense. You know, when he's on the magic carpet and he's talking about emergency exits yeah. for an airplane, yeah. he's wearing like a goofy hat. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it reminds me of the same vibe of like you know today we have like Shrek and like Minions like. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it's a, the music's great. Uh, Ron Williams steals the show, like makes that movie, um, takes it to a new level and yeah, there's great a, animation. There's another voice artist in that film that I quite enjoy. It was named Gilbert Gottfried who left yeah. us not too long ago. Iago is a great, uh, henchman uh, character. It's, it's fun to watch his performance. For I, I think Jafar too is one of the best Disney yeah, villains too. He is a good villain. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, my number six, round six. Yep. yep. Six Aladdin. Nice. Sweet. All right on. My number six is first of all, Ryan, here are some nice gummy bears. Very nice gummy bears to take you away from the pain I'm about to inflict on you. You motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> but look, there's three pink ones, one purple one, and one red one. I don't want your charity <laughs> fucking gummies. <laughs> In an age of darkness. May God have mercy upon your souls. Something's wrong. Something's amiss. And a time of evil. You shall die! When the world needed a hero. This one was souls. I don't want to die! What it got was him. Groovy. You know your shoelace is untied. He's a 20th century guy. For that arrogance, I shall see you dead. Trapped. In the Middle Ages. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. This is my boomstick. Now, let's talk about how I get back home. Foretold by a mystical book. Within its pages are passages that can send you back to your time. Forewarned by a wise man. You must recite the words, Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. I got it, I got it. Fulfilled by a wise guy. Klaatu, Berata, Nictu. Window spoke the words, the army of the dead awoke. <laughs> now he's got a date. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> With the army of darkness. You found me beautiful once. Honey, you got real ugly. Sound the trumpets. Raise the drawbridge. Drop the Oldsmobile. From Sam Raimi. Director of Darkman comes Army of Darkness. They live. They breathe. 
They suck. Army of Darkness. I'm sorry. That's cold-blooded, Zach. I know. I'm terrible. To be fair, is it isn't it not good that it is on the list, period? I mean, this is number one all-time movie that you've done this to. Mm-hmm. I know. You're going to have to... I'm not even going to talk. I know. <laughs> it's fine. I get it. If you want to kill me, I swear to God, I'll make Brad wear a blindfold and my parents won't miss me. It's okay. Klaatu Verada. <laughs> when you went, when you spoke the words, did you say them exactly? Maybe I didn't say every little syllable. No, but basically, I said them. Ah, oh, you fucking idiot! Basically, <laughs> um, yeah, no, Army of Darkness. It's um, it's 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 a fine. I get it. I'm terrible. It's a masterpiece. Th- there better be good fucking movies ahead of this, Zach, or I'm never going to forgive you. One of them is one of my favorite films of all time. So I don't yes. care about you. It's about me. I understand. Um, it's it's a masterpiece of horror and comedy. Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, but only on number five on your li- six on your list. Yes, Weird. yes, I understand. Um, uh, and uh, I've enjoyed. Actually, I've watched this every Halloween season for my um, thirty days of Halloween since I started doing it for the last two years, and done it in a whole Evil Dead marathon. And it's always brought me joy to end the night with this. Um, I. I love the idea of the original ending as opposed to the one we get in the theatrical cut with him back at the S-Mart. Uh, but I do love the line of like, lady, I'm going to have to ask you to leave the store. <laughs> um, so there's just a lot to love about this film. The use of stop motion animation, the music. Um, it's a, it's just a, it's, it's a blast of a time. And it's only like what? 88 minutes. Come on, expert. I'm not talking. Oh, you okay, made him fine. so mad. I know. But anyway, um, I'm sorry that it's a number six, but it was either this or move it to 93, and I kind of wanted to talk about it and have fun with it, too. So it was not strictly meant to sweep him, but um, yeah, I, I didn't like want to. said, they're not strictly meant to sweep me, but still a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what, what, what did we learn, Ryan? You put the fog at number 10, and you hurt me. A couple years later, I get back at you. Yeah, the fog... Is not your most favorite film of all time, though. It's among my favorite things to What's watch. What's his favorite? Jackie Brown? So you got to do like two film plages. Was it 98? 95 again? 97. 97, 97. again? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 95 yeah. and 98. <laughs> I'm just not going to put it on my list. It doesn't deserve to be on there. It's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though, I love the film. I'm, not really. You know, I love it enough to have it this high. So um, It's not that high. It's high enough. <laughs> it's higher than Batman Returns. <laughs> So, come on. <laughs> All Spe- right. Speaking of other Tarantino pieces of shit, this is my number five. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. You're going to skip over my number five? Weak. Oh, did Ooh. we skip a bunch? Yeah. Oh, well, see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. We don't have the sweepers and things. Um, My number five is Batman Returns. <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> see? See? I, that's the response I expect. Uh, <laughs> it's a Christmas movie, it's Batman. It's really fucking weird. It's, I think it's better than Batman 89. Um, I think the characters are more interesting and I, th- my biggest problem always with Batman 89 is I don't like the Joker in it, but, um, yeah, I, I mentioned when Zach put it extremely low that I liked uh, Michelle Pfeiffer a lot in this. I think her Catwoman is by far the best Catwoman um, in any medium. Uh, yeah, I just, I like the film. Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne and Batman's really great. He he has sort sort of like gravitas to the performance, and this pain I don't think I felt until the the newest one. 
Um, I, I think Michael Keaton's Batman's the most conflicted one, even though it's not the darkest of the Batman films. And, and yeah, Christopher Walken's great in it. He's actually the true villain of the f- picture, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Danny DeVito gives it his all. And yeah, it's it's a fun film. I watch it a lot too because my wife loves this movie. Brad, mm-hmm. number five. Uh, yeah, my number five uh, is I, I introed it a little bit ago. Hear your names, Mr. White, Mr. Blonde, Mr. Pink. Why am I Mr. Pink? Who cares what your name is? Yeah, that's easy for you to say. You're Mr. White. You have a cool-sounding name. Let's go to work. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something right. What happens if the manager won't give you the diamonds? Cut off one of his fingers. The little one. I'm so scared because I fall out of the chair. If they hadn't done what I told them not to do, they'd still be alive. You're acting like a first year thief. I'm acting like a professional. Choice you've been doing 10 years. They can have some stupid money. Ain't no choice at all. Bam! Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Chris Penn, Steve Buscemi, Lawrence Tierney, and Michael Madsen. They're the Reservoir Dogs. Hey, Joe, want me to shoot this guy? My number five is Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Yeah, that movie's like two scenes. (laughs) <laughs> of yeah. really long uh, dialogue scenes and yeah you go to watch the, uh, great actors deliver natural dialogue um, in interesting interesting yeah. conversations uh, and that's what that movie is um, and then just flashing back to that scene where um, uh, Kaitel's got uh, Steve Buscemi on the ground and they're pointing guns at each other I just cringed a little bit because that's just like a scene from every student action film mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, well, they got well. This is where they got it from. <laughs> they, yeah, pointing guns at each other, and just. But talking. yeah, I mean, the uh, poster is in every dorm room in America. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's it diminishes a bit. That and Scarface. That. Yeah, but so. this one's good. Scarface isn't true. I'll give it that. But yeah, it's it's one of the best movies of this year. So um, I enjoy it. I don't revisit it a lot, but when I do watch it, you, just, you get sucked into it. Yeah, and it's yeah. also pretty short. You're so. right. It's it's a performances. Yeah, because you know, I mean they. For a while, they just sit around and talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it's the mm-hmm. opening coffee shop scene, yeah. and then the whole uh, the after, heist goes the, wrong, the and the then aftermath, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and we just backtrack to figure out who who did what. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and now it's every time uh, Madsen has his scene where he cuts the ear off, I just think it's itchy and scratchy. <laughs> 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 so yeah, yeah, that's my number five, Reservoir Dogs. Nice, awesome, Zach, number five. All right. My number five is from another Sundance kid. Um, all he had was a turtle, uh, a bus, and a dream. In 1991, Columbia Pictures introduced you to an extraordinary new filmmaker and an unforgettable new vision. The director was 23-year-old John Singleton. The film, Boys in the Hood. Now, 
Columbia Pictures is proud to present a remarkable new film from another extraordinary new talent. The director is 23-year-old Robert Rodriguez. The film, El Mariachi. Yeah, no, my number five is El Mariachi, uh, Robert Rodriguez, um, basic, be beginning his career with the methodology that he stood by all these years of this low-to-no-budget filmmaking style. Um, obviously, he has better resources now to do films in the million, in the s sort of millions, but or even Alita. Um, here, though, it's uh, the, the Mariachi just wants to play his guitar, but another visitor comes into town, and he's got... He's got a guitar case, but it's, but it's a gun, you see. Uh, and so he gets tangled up in a web of drug dealers and uh, betrayals. And it's it's. I think that the ingenuity of how you shoot this on such a low budget is why it still stands out to me. Um, just the idea of I've got I've got five to eight thousand dollars, I've got access to a bus. Yes, there's a lot of close-ups in the film, like that to cover the space and whatnot, but. It just shows the ambition and the scope of what you can do on such a low budget that, like, there are so many people. We were kind of talking about the film school mentality, Brad, with that shot of people talking with guns pointed at each other. There's still that ambition that we can achieve something bigger with the with the lowest amount of resources imaginable and still manage to come out with something fun and, in, 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 and innovative. And I think that that's... <laughs> you okay? Yeah. Um, and I think this is a film that still stands as one of those examples of how you can do it and how you can tell an intimate story that has also a lot of action surrounding it um, and insane stunts and whatnot. Um, it's um, it's it, out of the trilogy that exists in it. I think Desperado is probably my favorite of those, but El Mariachi is so wonderful. And technically Desperado kind of reboots the concept a little bit for what when they have Antonio Banderas in the role, but it's still I think I think it's still important to watch this film and to see where Robert Rodriguez came from before before Grindhouse, before Spy Kids, before the faculty, before anything that's kind of given him a bigger name over time, especially with a younger generation. Like this is where it starts and it's a, a fantastic way to start your film career. Sure. Huh, you don't like El Mariachi? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, it's okay. Uh, my number four film is an excellent film. I see a little silhouette of a man. Scaramouche, Scaramouche, will you do the fandango? Thunderbolt and lightning. Just outside of Chicago. Galileo. 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 
in the basement of this house. It's Wayne's World, Wayne's World, party time, excellent. Broadcast history is about to be made. It's Dream Close Up, Whoa! I want you to find out who these guys are and where they do their show. What is this? Mr. Vanderhoff, this is your audience. It's two chimps on a Davenport in a basement. Here I am, with the contract for $5,000. Excuse me? No. They're on their way. No way. Way. To fame. Will you still love me when I'm in my carbohydrate, sequin jumpsuit, young girls in white cotton panties, bloated, purple, dead on a toilet face? To fortune. Contractor knows. I will not bow to any sponsor. <laughs> and to babe heaven. What do you do if every time you see this one incredible woman, you think you're going to hurl? I say hurl. If you blow chunks and she comes back, she's yours. If you spew and she bolts, it was never meant to be. Okay. It's Wade. This is definitely the type of place I'm gonna get when I move out of my parents' house. It's God. I love you, God. If she were a president, she'd be Abraham Lincoln. It's a movie. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Wayne's World. It just might be the greatest motion picture ever made. Are you mental? Number uh, four for me is Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. Party time. Excellent. It's, a, it's another movie I watched a lot when I was a kid. And I remember getting the video cassette for Christmas, and I watched it nonstop. Uh, to this day, I can probably watch and quote the whole film. Mm-hmm. And it's just one of those quotable movies. It's really silly, really funny. Um, it's about Wayne and Garth on their cable access TV show called Wayne's World. And Rob Lowe sees it and sells it to a guy who has video game arcades. Used to be a millionaire back then. You could have an arcade. <laughs> and yeah, that's the premise of Wayne's World. And it's funny. Yeah. And it's a good time. It's also my number four. Um, so we at least synced on one. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I got into this after finding out more about SNL and then watching some of those best of DVDs that came out. Um, and then I rewatched this one constantly. Not so much Wayne's World Two. Um, that's I don't think it's that. I bad. think Wayne's World Two is really fun. Yeah, it's, it's fun. It's even more dumb. Um, but uh, uh, this film stuck with me so much that in in uh, high school in video class, one of the assignments was to recreate a scene from a movie. And so me and my partners recreated the uh, the sponsorship scene, and we just got like a Pizza Hut box and little um we couldn't find we didn't have loop written but we found like little advil tablets and just tried to do that little um the the loop ad with the yellow pill and the white and black and white hand um and uh so that was fun trying to recreate wayne's world um and uh it's it's such a funny fucking movie and it hits every beat it's supposed to hit with with gusto like I think it, apart from MacGruber, it's probably the the perfect SNL movie, hands down. It's uh, or I guess Blues Brothers too, but it's the first movie I remember breaking the fourth wall. Mm-hmm. Where uh, I mean, Chris Farley has a great moment where he's a security guard and he's talking about where the Mister Big <laughs> Record executive is going to be, 
And at the end, Wayne looks in the camera and says, you know, for security guard, he had an awful lot of information. You have to wonder if this is going to pay off some point at the end of the movie. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just really funny with shit like that. Um, it's just a silly film. And uh, a favorite one when I was growing up. No stairway. Denied. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yep. Brad, number four. Uh, my number four, you're not going to forgive me for doing what I'm about to do to you. That's all right, as long as it's the truth. Step over to the office and get the bullwhip. A whipping? That's all they get after what they've done? Get out of there! It was a matter of honor. They're paying $1,000 to whatever kills the two boys that cut up Delilah. In a time when lawmen were killers. What are y'all looking at? You English, Bob. Outlaws were heroes. Well, I thought that you were dead. Hell, I even thought I was dead. Till I found out it was just in Nebraska. And a bad reputation. You're the one who killed William Harvey and robbed that train over Missouri? Was as good as gold. My guess is you're calling yourself Mr. William Money. Say what? You don't look no meaner than hell, cold-blooded damn killer. I ain't like that anymore, kid. Thousand dollars reward, Will. Nobody's gonna come. So you still have that Spencer rifle, huh? Yeah. He's my partner. He don't go, I don't go. What's it come to three ways? Just because we're going on this killing, that don't mean I'm gonna go back to being the way I was. Are you really gonna kill them cowboys? I do not like assassins. Or men of low character. We ain't bad men no more. We're farmers. There are a lot of savages! There's a bunch of bloody savages! Assassins! Well, I guess they have it coming. We all have it coming, Captain. Some legends will never be forgotten. Some wrongs can never be forgiven. The man don't want to get killed. Better clear on out the back. Unforgiven. Yeah, my number four is Unforgiven. Um, you might remember that a couple of years ago I wrote like a series of articles about uh, oh, yeah. Clint Eastwood's filmography. Yeah, that was a really great series <laughs> you did. <laughs> hey, didn't you also do a podcast about Hitchcock where you do a shitty imitation of him? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. Yeah, um, and now you do a Golden Age Hollywood podcast. It inspired me to do that. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, <laughs> so Unforgiven, Clint Eastwood is a... Uh, former outlaw who uh you know he, he, finds a way to escape his old life and then he becomes friends with morgan freeman morgan freeman uh gets captured by gene hackman who's a lawman who kind of abuses his power um kind of creates a fascist town um and uh kills morgan freeman and then uh clean Eastwood decides to go get revenge and then the movie ends <laughs> Only nitpick I will make is that he knew Morgan Freeman as an outlaw, and uh, he reformed because of the wife he married, and then his wife died, and they're struggling for money, so that's why he agrees to the hit. Yeah. Um, Mr. Money struggling for money. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Um, And and look. I hit the basic points of it. Gene Hackman Hackman just wants to build his fucking house out there, man. He didn't do anything wrong except be a douchebag. Hey. (laughs) If you if you work outside the law even a little bit, he's gonna bust your nose. Yeah, yeah. Kick Richard Harris out of town. Make him go join a school for wizards. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, 
Yeah, it's a pretty badass western. Yeah, it is. I'm surprised it made your list. I didn't know you loved, liked the movie. Yeah, um, I watched it a few times. I like I haven't memorized it, and, like, but uh, yeah, it's 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 one of those another one where you just like you're like oh, I'll put this on, and then mm-hmm. suddenly you find it. You're, you're completely discarding everything else, and you're just watching it. The the trailer doesn't really sell what the the movie's a lot more um, melancholy <laughs> than the <Yeah>. trailer. <laughs> it's a little disorienting because like unless my memory's wrong it always feels like it ends too soon um uh it's like it's like the finale of the movie is like half the movie sort of yeah because yeah. like they they technically they, they go out to what they seek but then they have to wrap up something greater than themselves greater than the quest they were on because a lot of it really is a i'll get into it later but it, it, it has a lot more depth going on in there yeah. than the point of the the point of the plot isn't the point of the movie but yeah, you're right. It kind of does have a little bit of an abrupt stop. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so Zach, your number four was Wayne's World. Yes. I'm sorry. Number, uh, your number four was Wayne's World, right? Yeah, but I'm assuming our number threes then are all repeats then. Uh, yeah. My, my number three is Aladdin. Uh, yeah. It's a fun movie. I've always loved this film. It's one of the Disney movies I watch the most. Uh, it has great energy and great songs. Robin Williams is amazing in it, and yep, mm. we have already talked about mm. it, but I like Aladdin. Mm. Good nice. for you. And your number three, Brad? Brad? My number three is a repeat. It is Army of Darkness. Nice. A little um, closer to where it deserves to be, but yeah. I still don't like where it's at. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe my two will be more convincing than Zach's. No, I, I, no, <laughs> Ryan's gonna kick the shit out of me for my number one. I know it. Um, but yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. You introduced me to it. Um, was the first time I saw it at the Esquire? Because you probably. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I did watch it at home. I don't know. I know, man. A long, long time ago, they did Evil Dead, Evil Dead Two, then Army of Darkness, and I won a bunch of trivia's for that. Yeah, you did. Fuck everybody else. Um, yeah, it's just it's just silly fun. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm definitely not a scary movie <laughs> it's got scary mo- scary ish moments in it but it's all cartoonish mm. um yeah it's just fun that's all i really gotta say about it cool yeah zach your number three my number three is a repeat it's reservoir dogs um yeah i it this isn't a quentin tarantino tarantino movie i rewatch a lot but i love it um the last time i rewatched it actually was with brad when we went in the midst of COVID, we went to the drive-in and saw this in Pulp Fiction on the in the drive-in at Fort Collins. You don't remember? I have photos of no, this. I remember we did that, but I didn't remember as part of the double feature. Yeah, no, yeah. It was Pulp Fiction first, and then they did Reservoir Dogs at the end of the night. Huh. Yeah. It's kind of weird. I wish they had done it the other way around, but... <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a good little pop boiler. Um, nice isolated piece with just an excuse to watch these actors shine. Um uh this stuck in the middle with you is iconic um i really like buscemi in the movie not buscemi <laughs> no, i remember i can't remember i fell asleep during <laughs> reservoir dogs, dogs <laughs> at the drive-in that's why i don't remember that because it was it was late when it yeah. started yeah um but that was like a, it was a positive covid memory like to just go to the drive-in and watch i had to wake you up actually yeah that's right yeah. i had to wake you up because you were you were my ride um but yeah, it was just a good positive memory amid all the COVID sadness was to go to the drive-in with one of my good friends and watch two, two films from my favorite direct, one of my favorite directors just to just to unwind and 
it, it still worked, and I had never seen it on a big screen before, so to see it in a drive-in seemed extremely appropriate, <laughs> given Tarantino's uh, penchant for the the grindhousey of it all. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just it's just a fun watch. It's a, it, as Ryan said, it's an excuse to watch actors act, and it's just beautiful. So yeah, Reservoir Dogs. All right, Ryan, number two. Uh, my number two is another master class in acting and in writing. You ever served in an infantry unit, son? No, sir. Ever served in a forward area? No, sir. Ever put your life in another man's hands, ask him to put his life in yours? No, sir. We follow orders, son. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. Are we clear? Yes, sir. Are we clear? Crystal. All those having business with this general court martial, stand forward and you shall be heard. The facts of the case are these. On midnight of September 6th, the accused entered the barracks room of their platoon mate. They woke him up, tied his arms and legs with tape, forced a rag into his throat. A few minutes later, a chemical reaction caused his lungs to begin bleeding. He drowned in his own blood and was pronounced dead at 37 minutes past midnight. Do you think Santiago was murdered? Private Santiago is dead, and that is a tragedy. But he is dead because he had no code. He is dead because he had no honor. And God was watching. How do you feel about that theory? Sounds good to me. I'll knock it all down to involuntary manslaughter. No deal, we're going to court. No, you're not. Why not? Because you'll lose. You want to investigate me? Roll the dice and take your chances. I eat breakfast 300 yards from 4,000 Cubans who were trained to kill me. So don't think for one second you can come down here, flash a badge, and make me nervous. You men follow orders or people die. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth. Son, we live in a world that has walls, and those walls have to be guarded by men with guns. Who's going to do it? You! That if this case is handled in the same fast food, slick-ass, Persian Bazaar manner with which you seem to handle everything else, then something's going to get missed. In the heart of the nation's capital, in a courthouse of the United States government, one man will stop at nothing to keep his honor, and one will stop at nothing to find the truth. My number two film is A Few Good Men, which has an incredible cast, incredible script, uh, directed wonderfully by Rob Reiner. It's just a really good movie. It It's long, but it moves really fast. Mm-hmm. The courtroom scene, it, I, I'm pretty sure, is 45, 50 minutes long, but it just keeps going, and it, it's, it's astounding. Everything in that moment is astounding, and Jack Nicholson... You you think about someone acting and on a close up and it's only on his face and how to be an actor is in that scene. Mm-hmm. Um and the intensity matched by Tom Cruise. It, that scene is I mean, it's one of the most famous scenes ever in movie history for a reason. Their blocking doesn't suggest that they're moving a lot, but it's it's just th- their their vocal ability is just Oh yeah. It's, it's immense. It's immense. Like I, I fucking love this movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies, and it's just well-made. And the the transformation even from Tom Cruise's character throughout the picture is 
great. I mean, it's a the, the story is about a marine who is killed by his uh, uh, service partner. I don't know what you'd call him. Um, and they're put on trial. And as they delve deeper into it, there's a, some sort of conspiracy that's hinted on in the trailer with Kiefer Sutherland has kind of a small but really big role in it. And he's awesome in it, too. And yeah, it's just a, it's a really cool fucking movie. And if you haven't seen it, you should probably stop what you're doing and watch it right now. I will. You've never seen it? I haven't. Oh, wow. You should definitely see it. Yeah, it's on the list. Speaking of great acting, my number two is this. Put that coffee down. We're adding a little something to this month's sales contest. First prize is a Cadillac Eldorado. Second prize is a set of steak knives. Third prize is you're fired. The incredible cast. Times are tight, it's tight. Pressure's just too great. The memorable lines. A, B, C. Always be closing. The explosive drama. You're hot, so you think you're the ruler of this place. You want to... Shut up! Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. They stole the leads, they stole the phones, they stole the... When I talk to the police, I get nervous. You know who doesn't? Not who. Thieves. Starring Academy Award winners Al Pacino, Jack Lemmon, Alan Arkin, and Kevin Spacey. Will you go to lunch? Go to lunch. Will you go to lunch? Academy Award nominees Alec Baldwin and Ed Harris. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. With Jonathan Price. Oh, what? Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs up. Have I got your attention now? Lemon is a revelation. Look, I'm going to make this office and I'm going to be number one on that board again. (laughs) An American masterpiece about desperation and betrayal. Talk to me. Talk to me. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. This is it. Yeah, my number two is Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Um, every time I watch it, it's just amazing to watch. You know, the the cast is all a bunch of famous people, but I forget. Like, I stop watching the famous person. I just watch these characters exist mm-hmm. uh, and the way they fly through dialogue. Like, you know, there's not a hint of them trying to remember their lines. Um, yeah, that's uh, you know, just as that trailer was playing, I was thinking between a few good men. Glenn Glary, Glenn Ross, Reservoir Dogs. This is a really good year for ensembles of really great actors mm-hmm. having really great dialogue to speak. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, it's just a bunch of uh, real estate salesmen just trying to get their numbers up. Um, and then, uh, you know, they want new leads. The new leads show up, but they can't have them. And uh, they come back the next day, find out the office has been ransacked. And, um, you know, as all these uh, competing storylines exist uh you know they all boil down to figure out like who's who who took the leads and uh you find out what's going on between each of them um and the pressure that's on them to make sales um yeah my number two nice glenn ross zach number two number two is a repeat it's unforgiven um uh yeah no it's i I saved this for last when doing the Clint Eastwood thing because I wanted to kind of end it on that note uh, apart from, like, the last four films he did. Do you think it's his best movie? And then he went on to make a million other movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's definitely in his top three. There's there's no question about that. I've never ended up doing a ranking, which I know I said I was going to do. Um, it's among the best because he... The older Clint got he started to reckon with 
the characters he played that made him famous. Um, he arguably does that in Gran Torino, although the older I get, the more I realize Gran Torino is very flawed in how it does that. Um, but Unforgiven is a perfect reckoning for the Western hero. Like it really is a way to, to, to kind of put the Western demons to rest. Um, he, he, like I said, the trailer that we watched with Brad doesn't sell it well. Cause that the movie's very sad. The movie's not a very happy actiony affair. This movie is a very sad movie about like the death of Western heroics and the real cost of vengeance. And it's a very heavy film. And the point of the film, by the time you get to the end, wasn't even the plot. It more has to do with how far this vengeance takes you, especially by the time Morgan Freeman's character gets it and him hunting down Bob. It, or not English Bob, no, it's um, oh, Gene Hackman's character. Is, um, is very, very uh, palpable. Um, it's... It's one of the best looking things he's ever shot as a director is that final shootout in the bar. Um, and uh, the whole Richard Harris side story where Richard Harris is this 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 braggadoche fucking gunman who's actually just a like a, just a braggart. And the way Hackman kicks him out of the town is brutal and it's humiliating. And the, the there's like literally the plot has a side story about people writing down their stories as heroes of the Western mythos and to have Eastwood tackling it is very appropriate because he was slab dab in the middle of it as it evolved into something more violent and gritty. Um, so yeah, I would say it's in the top. I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's definitely in the top three of my favorite films of his. It's, it's just, it's, it's immensely rewatchable while still being that sad, melancholic tale about vengeance. Um, and Morgan Freeman is fantastic in it. The cast is just solid. There's not a weak link in any of that cast. So, um, yeah, Unfor Unforgiven, number two. Um, my number one is the greatest film of all time. And I remember the first time I watched this movie. Um, see, my parents were divorced. <laughs> Ryan, are you okay? No. Uh, <laughs> but when my dad lived in Arvada, and there was a Kmart. And I remember Kmart's in Arvada right on Kipling and... Uh, I remember Krusty Mart. You saw, <laughs> you, saw the, you saw the blue light, and they were just drawn to it, right? Yeah. Uh, it's extra special. <laughs> so I, I don't remember the year. It was pretty close after it came out on VHS. Uh, Army of Darkness is my favorite film of all time. It's my favorite film from 1992, obviously. And I remember the... The cover is the poster of a super buff Bruce Campbell. It's it's a parody, obviously, of Star Wars. And uh, I remember putting it in, and it blew my mind away, where it's a horror comedy where it never takes itself too seriously. The tone of the film changes constantly. But I adore this movie. It's It's everything that I love about film. Um, where it's not too serious, but it's just there for a good time. Mm -hmm. And that's all I want in film, it, personally, is I don't need some life-affirming change. I don't need them to be, oh, man, that film just changed my whole outlook and this high piece of art. Uh, all film is art, and all art is subjective. I agree. To me, what makes a movie good or not good 
is my level of not necessarily enjoyment, but my ability to watch the film and be transported into that world. And Army of Darkness does that. I mean, Army of Darkness set me on a path in my movie-loving life of always loving film. This is why I love film. It's the first film that I remember watching that I just couldn't wait to watch again. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was probably 11 when I saw it. Um, It was one of the very first VHSs I owned. I still have it. And I just everything. Sam Raimi became my favorite director. Uh, to this day, I still love everything Sam Raimi does. His in Doctor Strange uh, in the Multiverse of Madness, his trademark comes through. Even uh, Oz the Great and Powerful. Yeah, it's a fun <laughs> film. Yeah. Um, I everything about this film works for me, and I know it's really silly, and I know not everybody likes it. They're wrong. Um, because film can be fun. Who doesn't like this movie? Uh, I don't know, but they're wrong. Yeah, and <laughs> y- y- that's that's my whole point is, and it's my favorite film, and I don't care what everybody else thinks about it. You know, everybody has a favorite film, and I hope they don't care what they think about it either. Mm-hmm. You know, just love what you love, and if it is a dude who has a chainsaw for a hand. And then for some way is able to take parts out of the trunk of his car and make a mechanical hand that he uses to crush things. Then, hey, more power to you. Um, I do have some favorite moments in it. And a lot of you I mean, you can always talk about, you know, groovy or hell to the king, baby, or uh, ma'am, I'm afraid I'm ask, ask you to leave the store. <laughs> One of my favorite jokes in the movie, and I say this about a lot of films, whether it's hot shots or this is. All the deadites or the dead are coming back to life to form the army of darkness. And so some of the skeletons are working at it and they're digging it out. And this uh, one skeleton comes up and the other one says, welcome back to the land of the living. Now get a shovel and get to work. <laughs> it's just stupid and really funny. Um, uh, and it makes it even better is if you uh, listen to the commentary that Sam Raimi did with Bruce Campbell, man, maybe 15 years ago. All those silly monsters are Sam Raimi. And so when I was watching in uh, the Multiverse of Madness and when Zombie Strange is going and all those demons are going, making noises, it's Sam Raimi because mm-hmm. his voice is so unique and it's always, you're mine, dirty girl, and just <laughs> silly shit like that. Um, and yeah, I love everything about this movie and it's my favorite film of all time. You know what's incredible still about the, the it proves how great a director Raimi is? So that budget's not that high. We're not talking like anywhere above twenty million, right? Uh, I actually think it's twenty one million. Twenty twenty one. So he's, d- he's coming off the am- amazing success of Dark Man, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it was a. Su- yeah, that's why he got is able to make this movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like that shot where you have the whole Deadite army approaching the castle. It's a mixture of the stop motion with those in suits, and you know, obviously, Evil Ash. That shot is has no right by cinema standards mm-hmm. to be that epic. And yet it is one of the most grandiose things I've ever seen anybody attempt past a Jason and the Argonauts. Like it's fucking amazing. And my goal is I keep on hearing rumblings that uh, scream factory is going to release a 4k of this this year. Ooh. And uh, I hope so. <laughs> so uh, buckle up bonehead. Mm-hmm. You're going for a ride. Uh, so yeah, army of darkness, the greatest film of all time. Brad, you're number one. Should we use this podcast to help you work through your parents' divorce? No, no, no. (laughs) 
I just like rehashing it because it's funny. Brad, Brad, divorce cast is not marketable, and also we're not going down that trashy route. Let's just talk about Army of Darkness for five hours. Yes, I, I would. Be a good idea. Uh, my number one, uh, we've already said it, is uh, Batman Returns. See, that makes sense to me why that would be your number one, because you love Batman. Right. Um, it's interesting because when it came out in 92, I wasn't like a huge fan of it. Uh, but as a teenager, I revisited it and uh, appreciated it more. Um, uh, do you mind if I, say, I, I think it is a film. When you first see it, it's really hard to digest. But in subsequent watches of it, you pick up the nuances, whether it's a performance or what Burton does with the camera, I think is pretty incredible. Yeah, I think uh, Edward Scissorhands uh, gave him more confidence to just be the filmmaker that he is because mm-hmm. the original Batman looks and feels like he's being directed to make a Batman movie. Batman Returns feels like he's making a Tim Burton movie with Batman in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like Gotham city is more exaggerated. Um, you know, the it, costume design is a lot more his sensibility. Yeah. It's a lot more uh, streamlined and like, um, it, like Gotham city is, I guess feels less trashy. Um, everything feels cleaner. Um, You're losing that depression era aesthetic, yeah, I guess <laughs> more simplified, more, you know, like all of Gotham kind of takes place in that one town square, whereas Gotham City in the other movie was sprawling and mm. um, even like most of its matte paintings. Um, yeah, I guess this one is more contained. Yeah, it, it feels, mm. I guess, tighter. Yeah, like I said, yeah. everything that seems to happen in Gotham is like on a soundstage. And he's got more time spent on interiors, too. So like the Penguin's Lair. Uh, Wayne Manor, um, Selena Kyle's apartment, um, Shrek, yeah, all, Shrek's Enterprise. Yeah, they're all very small spaces. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, but uh, yeah, it's it's a very disturbing <laughs> plot. Um, but <laughs> I think uh, yeah, everyone just does the best with like what they have. I, I, it's not like saying for it, but just like um, you know, it's, it's not as uh, elemental as. Uh, the Batman getting revenge on the Joker for, you know, killing his parents. Um, you know, it's, it's the, the Max Shrek is using Cobblepot, like this, sa- uh, um, this sob story um, of this abandoned uh, wealthy kid, deformed kid, uh, and turning him into, uh, God, was it Gotham's mayor. poster boy, mm-hmm. um, making him this um, mayor. Like, and the, so, like, like oh, superseding Bruce Wayne yeah. as like the, like the deepest, uh, uh, I guess element of is like you've got Bruce Wayne who's this privileged rich kid who took one path and then this other rich kid who took another one just because you know, a worse one because he was you know deformed. Yeah, Pee Wee you know. dumped him in the trash. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, like that narrative parallel is probably like the, and then yeah um, you know stuff with Selena Kyle being re- revived hmm. supernaturally by mm-hmm. cats I guess yeah. uh, is is a take. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it, the penguin's the most interesting in this film because I don't think he's that interesting of a character anyways. I yeah. Mean, it, it's, he's whatever in the comics and stuff, but, um, yeah, as, as far as like the penguin, just being like a mob boss is about like, mm-hmm. as far as I think you could take that. Uh, so I think Burns take on him is like this weird grotesque penguin man, um, is a little more interesting. Um, but yeah, um, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. It's, it's not, it might be like my third or fourth favorite Batman overall, but you know, 92, I was like, huh, I guess my number one should be a Batman movie in a year where I was, I'm not 
I'm not too passionate about most of these movies. So, yep. All right. Right on. Zach, number one. All right. My number one is uh, the first film I saw from this particular director. um, And it was instrumental in the writing of a ninth grade English paper or social studies paper. I'm sorry. That um, ended up becoming a lifelong fandom of the director. Do you know where you came from? What's your name? Malcolm Little. No. That's the name of the slave masters who own your family. You don't even know who you are. Who are you? Say, Roseland. Roseland. He was a pusher, a hustler, a thief. You ready to tackle the streets? Yeah, I'm ready. Let him come. <laughs> Respected, convicted. State your number, little. I forgot. In a dream that's He was a prisoner who set himself free. A Muslim must be strikingly upright. I will not touch the white man's drugs, his liquor, his women, so that those in the darkness can see the power of the light. I will not lie, cheat, or steal. I believe you will remain faithful. Yes. He was a follower who became a leader. You're not an American. We didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. He brought honor to disobedience. I suggest you look outside that window. You've been laying down and bowing down for 400 years. I think it's time to stand up. All right, break it up. You got what you wanted. Nah, I'm not satisfied. That's too much power for one man to have. And a voice to a people who longed to be heard. The Ben Hoodwink! Ben Boozle! Let us stray! You're saying you're anti-white? No, you're saying I'm anti-white. I'm sorry, Betty. I haven't been the best husband. Do you advocate violence? No, sir. Academy Award winner Denzel Washington's most electrifying performance. Director Spike Lee's most powerful film. Can we all live together? I sincerely hope so. Uh, yeah, so my number one is uh, Malcolm X. Um, uh, there was a, an assignment we were given in ninth grade social studies, or like ninth or tenth grade, to talk about the difference between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And the lesson on Malcolm X that they gave us was thin, like very fucking thin. And the only real resource I had, apart from sifting through the entire autobiography by Alex Haley was to watch this film. And from it, I learned that the very thin description that we were given by our teachers was not even close to accurate. Um, And I ended up writing a paper that explained how the correlation between their two ideals would end up finding themselves within the same path to a certain extent 
prior to Malcolm's assassination. And I got a really good grade on that paper. So I associated a lot of positive feelings from this film. As I got older, this film became one of my favorite films of all time because biopics are very hard to do. Um, generally, they can become as, like my number 10, very cheesy, very saccharine. Um, this one carries a director's vision with a very powerful performance that entra entrances you the entire time. Um, you are never, to my mind, you are never left bored with this one. This is one, this is a case of a long biopic where I feel the length is justified because he is a figure that was very much relegated off to the side up until this point um, for a multitude of reasons that I understand on all sides of this. Um, whereas Chaplin, everybody knows who Chaplin is. You don't really need to do every single life event of Chaplin's to get to the end. Um, and I feel that the power of that filmmaking on a very low budget, because Warner Brothers ponied up the majority of the budget, but there was a certain point where they cut him off and there had to be a bunch of fundraising from unfortunately people who have turned out to be a lot of specious people like Bill Cosby, but there was a lot of fundraising efforts to get this film completed because Warner brothers base or the editors basically had it locked up and they were not going to let it release at all. Um, this is also one of the first movies to shoot uh, any footage inside of Islam period. Um, they were allowed to go into the holy sites and the reasons they did that were because of who the figure was that they were doing. Um, and I think it's actually like if, if I had to pick up Mount Rushmore of Denzel Washington's best performances, this is easily in the top five. It's not even a question. Um, he is remarkable in the film. Uh, and I think that in the grand scheme of Lee's work, this is my favorite because it shows what he can do with a limited budget to create such an epic scope. And that's very, very hard. And I think a lot of my choices this year have been pivoted towards directors with small budgets, but big ideas, whether that's Robert Rodriguez, uh, Quentin to an extent with Reservoir Dogs, because there's a lot of ambition about like showing sections of that heist, but not showing the full heist itself. Um, and with this one, you're literally getting a 20 to $30 million movie that feels like it costs $200 million to make. Um, and it's, it's a remarkable feat. Um, it's very provocative. Um, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but it's one that I go back to a lot, um, especially in the grounds of Lee's work, but also just in how to make a biopic, how to tell somebody's life story of a, as a story of a very important man. That's always rough. Like, Spielberg does it great, Lee does it great, and Scorsese does it great. These are the three guys who I've found who have been able to do it properly um, without losing the interest of the viewer. So, um, yeah, it's it's something that I am constantly inspired by from an ideal standpoint and just from an enjoyment standpoint. Like, it is a very enjoyable movie in places that does make you think, but it's compelling. Like, it grips you. Um, so, yeah, that's my number one, Malcolm X. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Carol Hart sent me an email. We almost had her son on the show tonight. Yeah. Um, hello, real nerds. Hope you all are well. This is my 1992 top 10 list. Oh, sorry. Misread that. This 1992 top 10 list was difficult because most of the movies we haven't seen since the, f since the first time. 
Therefore, I may have fond memories, but not really remember the details of why. I've been looking at this list for some time now and still putting the list together at a very last minute. We, go, uh, we did go back and rewatch a couple. The other issue is we haven't had as much time to watch 1992 movies because we're catching up on other movies and shows. James told us to watch WandaVision, and that was really good. And we must watch it before seeing Doctor Strange. True. Rich and I had watched the first episode, didn't think much of it. I mean, it was sort of clever with Dick Van Dyke's setup, but we're, uh, we're confused as to where it was going. So glad we went back to finish it. I guess we didn't trust the rest of you real nerds. Sorry. Putting these in order is stressful. I always feel like there should be different categories. Oh, well, here goes. Number 10, Far and Away. I think this one deserves a rewatch. I have a feeling that it would probably end up higher on the list. I remember that it was a big movie with a very serious story. Ron Howard usually makes wonderful films. Uh, Number nine, Last of the Mohicans. We watched this last week. Beautifully filmed. Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing. Fast-moving story. Lots of action. A difficult historic setting. Number eight, A League of Their Own. Tom Hanks, a great story with fun characters. Number seven, Patriot Games. Harrison Ford, action, suspense. Number six, Aladdin. Well done, Disney. This is just so much fun. Very clever. Another reminder of what an amazing talent Robin Williams was. Very true. Number five, A Few Good Men. Great characters and a good story. Tom Cruise was busy this year. And Jack Nicholson. This one has a classic scene. Yeah, it's one of the most classic scenes ever. Uh, Number four is Sneakers. Rich and I watched this sometime in the last year. It's still a fun and entertaining. Number three, Medicine Man. I love this movie so much. It's a serious subject with humor added. Sean Connery and Lauren Bracco, Lorraine, Lorraine Bracco. Bracco are great. It's been a while. We should watch it again soon. Number two, The Muppet Christmas Carol. I love the story of Christmas Carol. I even got around to reading the original this year. This is a delightful version. It's still the same humor as any Muppet movie without missing the lessons of the story. Of course, the best version of the story is in 1951 with Alistair Sim. Just ask James. That is true. That's like their family one. Mm-hmm. And number one, Army of Darkness. <laughs> this nice. is for Ryan. Seriously, it cracks me up thinking about it. We kept hearing talk about it, and then I remember watching it and thinking, what the heck am I watching? It is ridiculous. <laughs> Makes me shake my head just thinking about it now. Yeah. Still counts, Carol. Still counts. <laughs> uh, she has honorable mention, Lethal Weapon 3. Forever Young, Strictly Ballroom, and maybe A River Runs Through It. It's been too long. Strictly Ballroom is great. Oh. Sorry, James. I couldn't. No, I could not put Unforgiven on the list. I just remember being sad. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I look forward to hearing this podcast and maybe hearing about something great we've missed. Thanks for listening. Carol, still James's mom. <laughs> I, you know, I like talking about Unforgiven, but now I feel bad that it made Carol sad watching them. Well, it's not a happy movie. I mean, I like watching sad movies, but I don't want other people to feel sad, like it ruins their day. <laughs> well, once again, we've got uh, two lists from a member of the Hart family, but not James, who used to host this podcast. He was invited. <laughs> we saw a response. And We're so close to catching I can understand him. not having a recording time, but can't even write an email. Mm. promised myself I wouldn't cry. Uh, Jake Hart has written in. Uh, Hi, guys. It's Jake Hart again. It's Friday evening. I hope it's not too late to send in my 1992 list. I just realized I probably didn't need to read that. (laughs) 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 Number 10 for Jake. Uh, A League of Their Own. 
Watch out, fellas. The ladies can play baseball, too. But that was the 1940s. All these problems are solved now. (laughs) (laughs) Number nine, A Few Good Men. This movie has everything. Tom Cruise being intense. Jack Nicholson being intense. The entire U.S. government being intense. (laughs) Number eight, Unforgiven. Clint Eastwood's classic man with the personality of a shot of whiskey (laughs) with rusty nails in it and a plenty of assholes to spit those nails at. Number seven, Reservoir Dogs, an excellent illustration of both why crime doesn't pay and why conspiracy theories don't make sense. Because no one can follow the plan to save their lives, and they all stab each other in the back as soon as things get dicey. Here's a new one. Number six, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. I know it's just a repeat of the formula of Home Alone, but damn it, that's a tasty formula. Number five, Army of Darkness. This is, this is technically the third in a series, but I've never even watched them because there are real horror movies. This, on the other hand, is the story of a seven-year-old comes up. This, this, on the other hand, is the story a seven-year-old comes up with after looking at the poster for a horror movie and then watching too much He-Man. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Fair. Number four, Sneakers, a really fun sort of spy thriller, sort of heist movie where a bunch of misfit engineers outwit the bad guys. Number three, Porco Rosso. I know the concept of a pig flying a biplane looks dumb, but give it a shot, especially (laughs) if you like any combination of anime, Miyazaki, old school adventure stories, or early aviation. Number two, Aladdin. This is so high, frankly, because I was a grade school age kid in 1992. Aladdin hit the kid pop culture like a cannonball. Also introduced me to Robin Williams. And number one, The Muppet Christmas Carol. I mean, you put Muppets and Christmas together... Although, don't remind me of that super long, slow, sad song about the love being gone. They always chop out of the TV version. Then it has to go lower. (laughs) Dishonorable, dishonorable, uh, Dishonorable mention. So he's taking time to disparage a movie um, that was never going to make it on the list. Alien 3. As I've mentioned previously, I'm not a horror fan. So actually, like, Alien's better than Alien. But the two characters Ripley saves in Aliens are, are killed off screen before the opening credits of Alien 3. I literally use this movie as a verb to denote the plot of a sequel, ruining what was good about its predecessor. As in, The Chronicles of Riddick, Alien 3, Pitch Black. <laughs> um, I don't know if my phone's just not loading the rest of it because there's a bunch of black space, but I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, nice. I... I, I I love the way he described Unforgiven, and I just realized I wasted how many years writing that article series when I could have had Jake just write it for me in one sentence. Yeah, we're going to be a better writer than you. <laughs> Maybe even James. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's 1992. Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, just a heads up, 2002 will be soon-ish. Um, maybe towards the, en- towards the end of summer. Yeah, July yeah july early august yeah something like that so start thinking about your list because you know that's the way to be mm-hmm. be aggressive with sending your list don't be being in fact hang aggressive. on while we're still here there you go brad um <laughs> nice next week men i think i want to see for our film of the week okay i think <laughs> looks interesting you want to see men yeah you're right here with us it's men and men. We're, bo- we're boys. He wants to see men. Yeah. Well, we could go from boys to men. I like Alex Garland a lot, so. Yeah. yeah. So it looks cool. Maybe. 
Uh, I mean, or we can do uh, Chip and Dell's Rescue Rangers is also out on Disney Plus. Everybody have Disney Plus? Let's go to the movies yeah, and watch yeah. Ben. But I'll I'll still watch Rescue Rangers. I want to know yeah, what the if there's movies going in the theater. On. We should support them. So mm-hmm. yeah, when we can. So thanks for listening, and hell to the king, baby. You waited all year here with the nerds have chosen. I'm telling you all, it's a film explosion. Film explosion. Thanks for listening to Real Nerds Podcast, a Nebulous Visions production. Stream or download episodes, read articles at realnerdspodcast.com. Stream us on Apple or Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. Follow us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, at Real Nerds. Watch us on YouTube, Real Nerds Podcast. Email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Call us at 720-6Nerds5. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill, Mike at Plan 9 Studios, and Bologna for all of our groovy theme songs. And that's how you fucking do it.